Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place, over the garden wall. (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) Listeners, it's a a visual bit, listeners. (laughs) Welcome back to Streaming in Place. It is week 32 and we are talking over the garden wall. And that bit that you could not see but could just enjoy through our appreciation was Noel with a teapot on his head, balancing it expertly, I will say. Uh, Now... It's been very clear through my overhyping of everything that I love over the garden wall. Noel's also quite a fan. Marcus is a fan. Uh, we also have Keenan back joining us. Welcome back, Keenan. Uh, she is new to this. Allison is new to this. So um, I don't even know where to start because there are so many things. So let's start with Allison <laughs> overall reaction. And then I'm also going to want to know how many of the voice cast you were able to recognize Cause like all of them, but I'm curious how, how many you were able to recognize and just like, then we'll go, then we'll go to music after that. So let's start out with overall thoughts on the first four episodes of over the garden wall. I mean, I don't know why you guys thought I was going to like this. It's spooky and weird with a talking bluebird and loads of original music. I have absolutely no idea why you thought this might be up my street. Um, <laughs> it's like, you don't know me at all. It's like, we haven't been talking four to five days a week for 30 Two, two weeks two yeah 30 there. <gasps> that was me hitting my head on the microphone um no i loved this i'm so excited to watch more it was hard to not carry on i split the episodes i watched two on friday while eating a bowl of a uh, very hearty beef stew Um, and I also made myself like a little spiced cider alcoholic beverage was great. I'm very glad that you told me it was super autumnal because I just leaned all the way in. Uh, and then I watched the last two this morning as it started to snow (laughs) here in Chicago. Um, but you know what? I'm down with that too. I realized after that, as I was watching it, the guy who does our little garden in our courtyard was behind me putting a giant spider web on a tree. Um, So it was like, just could not have been more perfect. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I feel like this is the kind of thing where I'm going to have to have seen it all to really have a full picture. Like, it definitely feels satisfyingly episodic, but also like I'm going to I'm going to want the I'm going to want all of it before I really start to put together my more critical thoughts. Um, And by critical, I mean analytical, not negative. I have no notes. Uh, it was not overhyped. I'm incredibly charmed. I'm a little bit spooked. Uh, and I cannot wait to watch more. Mm-hmm. Those are general thoughts. Voice acting. Uh, I have to admit that I consulted IMDb after I after I successfully recognized the first few because that made me feel like I was not recognizing the people. I did not clock Elijah Wood. Um so that was the first, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be everybody. Um, but Christopher Lloyd and Melanie Linsky, like one, two punch. I was like, yep, this we're doing this. <laughs> um, the one I was proudest of, which I didn't notice in the list when I was looking at IMDb, but still recognized, uh, was Chris Isaac. I can't believe I got Chris Isaac. But man, that is so recognizably Chris Isaac. Um, so yeah, I'm, and I saw some of the voices who are coming. I won't spoil any of them for people who are new, but I'm very excited about this voice cast. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Noel, how did you feel revisiting these first four episodes and hearing the the dulcet tones of a Christopher Lloyd, for example? 
I don't know that I describe his tones in this as dulcet. Um, <laughs> they're very concerned and angry and scared um, and maybe dangerous. The beast. Um, <laughs> no, so uh, watching Over the Garden Wall is a tradition in our household. Um, my partner and I watch it, have watched it basically, I think, every year for the past since we got together um it is the kind of autumnal show that we watch um and she has been pestering me for most of october to be like are you we doing over the garden wall are we doing over the garden wall um and i was just like we're doing it for the podcast we're doing it right after core and she's like great when is that um so watch cora faster (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, basically, please watch Cora faster. Uh, so we did the first. We did the first four um, Sunday afternoon, and it was just so nice. Um, like I, the first ch- chunk of this has actually one of my favorite episodes of the whole um, whole show, which is Hard Times at the Huskin Bee. I love the second episode to death. It's one of my favorites, um, just because all of it's just ridiculously funny. And I think that's sort of like the thing I love about this show most of all is that it really balances a whole lot of different kinds of tones and influences from weird 1940s, 1930s animation styles um, to taps into the scariness of those styles, especially for like contemporary audiences because we're not used to it anymore, um, to just really ridiculous types of discussions about being a really petty bitch in school town follies just they're both so petty and it's great and i love it i love it so much word and beatrice are just so mean to each other and it's so good so i think that they're the ways in which the show just finds ways to make everything kind of funny but kind of creepy and unsettling but also find the humor and uncanniness in all of that stuff since we really don't know what's going on um i think that there's just a lot of really good balanced calibration happening that i just kind of can't get over and to know that it's there like in episode two is just kind of ridiculous to me um but i mean yeah it's it's really good kate how was it going back for you because you've seen this and we actually talked about this in my i think last times before i became full-time on the televerse mm-hmm. i think i came on to talk about this uh miniseries with you yeah and listeners well, you know longer-term listeners to the podcast will know i also love this i watch it i at least every other year i watch it you know, I try to do it every fall. Some some years I've missed, but this came out in 2014, and it's been really delightful over the you know time since then to watch it kind of gain momentum uh-huh. and become more and more of a cult following to the point where like like I think I feel like last year because it's always in the, it's because it is you know as Keenan says autumnal AF. Um, it is such a perfect like end of October kind of like the leaves are turning. It's starting to get a little brisk kind of show that this is when everybody talks about it. So when it is like this time of year, I feel like every year more people have started talking about it. And this year it was like you could not like everybody in our little TV Twitter bubble was was like talking about it this year. So it's very exciting. And even just like at Comic-Con every year there have been more words. It's such a great like straightforward cause like just red hat, cloak Super recognizable, easy to do, very charming. Um, there, you know, so so it, there's been more of them every year that I've gone um, since 2014, and uh, yeah, it's just it, it's just like s- slipping back into a comfy sweater. 
Loved it. I also had some some hearty beef stew and I heated up some some cider and I had some cornbread. It was just like it was wonderful. Snuggle those under some blankets, trying to like a lamp, right? Like, but not not too much overhead light, because you need it needs to be cozy for this. And it was just so fun to watch. I've been anticipating and really looking forward to our conversation about about this show. And Allison, I'm gonna second everything you were saying about like it will take until we're done with the whole thing. To, to have everything click into place, your instincts are spot on for that. But even just right away, the the I mentioned the casting first, even before my beloved music, because the the choices that they make in their voice casting for this do so much. Like it says so much about the priorities and the perspective, um, the point of view of of the writers and the animators, right? The creator Patrick McHale, um, and like. Christopher, there's a danger and a warmth and a trustworthiness that comes with casting Christopher Lloyd because he's Doc Brown and it's such a recognizable voice um, that they play into and play off of so well. Uh, Melanie Linsky, like Elijah Wood is, you know, again, you've got that Hobbit connection, right? Man, a young person off on a quest, but then and he's also just a very good fit for for the personality of the character and then you throw Melanie Linsky in there and like this it's this combination of like you were saying Noel all these d- different eras of classic animation uh like American animation with you know some European influences and stuff uh-huh. but with this modern sensibility of like there's a talking bird why are you talking to, don't talk to a bird no i'm not gonna go to the creepy other path i'm gonna go to the town i'm going to the town now uh you guys do that <laughs> and when you add in the dynamics with the two brothers like it's just incredibly charming and i i can't wait for what's gonna come next uh briefly uh, when i talk about the casting i always talk about um one of the most exciting casting things for me which very few other people note or particularly care about beyond that person's got a really good voice. And that's the voice of the beast. Uh, Allison, do you, do you, do you clock that casting that voice or no, that's Samuel nope. Ramey, who is, it was at one point, one of the most res- regarded and respected uh, bases in the operatic world. Um, and this is his first ever voice uh, voiceover and animation and so like and i have had the privilege of of accompanying him in an orchestra um and hearing him go into candide he's known for playing like um like mephisto kind of like faust kind of characters um very charming and very dangerous like devil kind of you know he's done several of those throughout his uh, career that were like some of his signature roles um and so i've had the privilege to perform with him and uh like I'm sitting on my chair and the back of my chair is vibrating because his non-amplified voice is that powerful as he's standing this far from me like arm's length listener arm's yeah length. like just like just out like because I was on the ed- outside on the orchestra I was on like in the on the outside thing like second or third stand right so it's like like what a voice and like he does a little bit of singing but mostly it's a spoken role but like 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 keenan says i clocked it as a voice um so when i was like oh my god sam raimi's doing this oh i'm watching yes um so yeah there's a lot to dig into um but i'm I'm curious allison what you thought of the music and if that is as meaningful to you like it's one of the things where like i met i told my parents and my dad had did voice and singing all the way 
up through school and even, you know, like in musical theater and everything like that um, for fun for much, much of his adult life. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're playing with Sam Raimi. He's like, you're playing with like Samuel Raimi, like Samuel Raimi. I was like, yeah. And, so, and when I was trying to get him to watch the show, I was like, it's got Sam Raimi. <laughs> so it's it's a kind of thing that as a musician is very meaningful to me, but not so much to, to the normies. Uh, what did you think of any thoughts on that? And then also what did you think of the music? Well, as a fellow non-normie, I did not clock the voice immediately, but I did clock like that is a, an accomplished operatic singer, um, which is just always an unexpected surprise when you hear opera or um classically trained singing in that style on television and it's not a joke like it's not a credit card commercial mm-hmm. or like s- somehow about high-pitched noises and then a glass breaks um something really lazy and stupid like that like um, lucifer's opera episode like that maybe <laughs> maybe i was thinking uh if we if we want to have a little of your favorites with allison and kate this time uh, i was thinking specifically of um a Christmas Carol, the Doctor Who episode where they mm-hmm. brought in a woman to be a magical death princess, basically, um, as an excuse to get her to sing. And it was terrible. Um, like, how do you take an episode where Michael Gambon plays Scrooge and ruin it? You give it to Stephen Moffat. Um, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, um, however, this is the opposite of that. This is when you think of the human voice as an instrument, then it becomes a tool to accomplish some pretty incredible things. So just like a person writing an orchestration for something might think, oh, well, we really need um, some like creepy strings here. We really need a mournful clarinet here. We really need this. We really need that. If you think, well, this, what's going to make this really work is if it's a titanic voice, if it's an earth-shaking voice, then all of a sudden you have this whole other palette open to you. So that was an incredible surprise. And I'm so excited to hear more of it. Um, but the music in general is wonderful. There's this feeling I get when a musical is, or even just like a play with music, or in this case, a TV show with music, when it's all in, when it's committed to doing what music is supposed to do in situations like this, which is sort of elevate everything that's happening, where you the music starts and it's like a door opens and you are invited to walk behind it, walk through it. And there are some great musicals that don't have that effect on me, but a lot of the best ones do. And the best comparison I can think of, and I swear to God, this is the highest praise I can muster, um, is that it reminded me a lot of my first experience of watching a Muppet Christmas Carol, um, which is a truly exquisite musical. It is one of the, it is the best Christmas Carol adaptation. Fuck you, Stephen Moffat. And it's um, (laughs) a truly great musical. Uh, And it has that feeling of like, here we go. And you just go on in and now you're on the current and you're along for the ride. That's part of why it was so hard for me to stop watching. And as the frequency of the music increased, obviously my delight grew exponentially. (laughs) So I can't wait to talk about that more in depth. I hope that we, in the, um, when we do our series wrap up that we spend some real time on the songs, because I want to be able to listen to them all individually and all of that good stuff. Kate and I could, could and have gone lo- gone long on exactly this type of thing before. So get ready for a three hour episode. Hey, you know I'm in, you know I'm in for it. But yeah, you I my sister owns the the record, um, mm. and she puts it on. Uh, you know oh, this time God. of year. Yeah, no, I, I'm I've I haven't had a Christmas list since I was a child, but I think now I need one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right along with the the Stephen uh, Universe box set DVD that's coming out at the beginning of December, which Ooh. I have earmarked 
everything. It's going to have all of the things in one DVD. See, that's what I need. That's how I'm going to get caught up on Steven. Okay. Now my Christmas list has two items on it. Great. (laughs) No, when you you talk about um, no, like realizing that, that, the show or the the TV show or the movie or whatever is all in on the music and they're using the music in the right kind of way. And you're like, okay, let's go on this adventure. The very first time I watched this, I knew I was going to love it in the opening moments. I was like, there's a frog playing an upright piano and it just turned to camera. It was like, boom. And like the hand moved out to play the correct note on the piano to match the song, I was like, oh, I'm good. And it was like, <laughs> and like, like, like the expression. And when I first, I was like, it was like a combination of like, I don't even need to look at the keys. And also, yes, we, yes, we're doing the right key here. <laughs> and with a little bit of a smart, but also playfulness to it. And this time, um, when I watched it, it did, it felt like that still, but it also felt like, um, come along, we're going to have an adventure, like a little more welcoming and a little less like of a, like, um, a little less of a smirk and, you know, and a little bit of a little less of a dick about it. Um, and, and when I, but when I first saw it, I was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm going to like this just based on this opening animation of a frog playing an upright piano specifically with a specific timbre. And the fact that they took the care to animate the right motion in the hands for the frog to actually play the piano. <sighs> Love it so much. This is, I've realized now that this is the platonic ideal of the opposite of fuck your favorites with Kate Kulzik. Yeah. Which is uh, just you talking about people paying attention to how instruments are played on television, which is my other favorite Kate Galsic mode, like Fuck your favorites mode. And he played the right note mode are the, my two favorite Kate modes. <laughs> I would listen to both of them at length, put them in a playlist. I will soundtrack my trip to the gym. I'm I just love it. If we get more of that as a result of Over the Garden Wall, then that's just even a bigger bonus. <laughs> Noel, how did you feel about about the music in these first ones? Obviously, like it took you, you meant we talked about this off mic. It took all everything in your control to not make a potatoes and molasses reference last oh, week. God, it was so hard staring <laughs> at your screen, being like, "Kate, you're gonna put any potatoes or maybe molasses in that beef stew?" Just so much work. Just yeah, all the work. I appreciate your sacrifice. Yeah, no, I just did not want to ruin that for Allison in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I also did not want to ruin that great joke of this big, burly, rich guy. No, it's just his coat that's big and burly. He's just this twig of a man, um, which is just such a good joke. Um, you've all talked. I want to talk about like the bad music, which is mm-hmm. um, Wurt singing his song of the young lover. <laughs> or the, yeah. Um, which is not a song about the young lover and they realize he's the pilgrim. Um, but just Elijah Wood is so wonderfully bad in that number. Um, which is great because work should not be a good singer. Like it would just ruin everything if you were a good singer in that moment. Um, but you get so much really good, like kind of character exposition in episode four with that of his, his actual relationship with, um, uh, Greg, Greg. Yeah. Craig. Greg. Greg. Yeah, I was like, wait, wait, I don't remember Um, with Greg, um, but also just how really delightfully awkward he is in terms of all of that. So I really love that 
song in particular because it does a lot of like good character stuff while also being just truly horrible um but you get it juxtaposed against the highwayman song which is just full-on 1930s noodle animation and it's deeply disturbing um in it's both its animation but also in like the implied degree of violence that this highwayman commits to make ends meet um with his big ham hands. <laughs> um, that I just, I really, I really like that whole sequence, both of them paired together because Wirt is not part of this world. He doesn't understand the rules or anything. He's just like, where are we? Why are we here? What's happening? Please, someone tell us where to go. Why is there a talking horse? <laughs> oh, you can talk now. <laughs> <laughs> um, as someone introduced to the wedding industrial complex um, in middle school and started uh-huh. playing weddings, uh, yeah, in middle school, the 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 song all about how you know you need to get married because we need to get paid <laughs> uh, was you know absolutely terrific. Big fan. The 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 song that I think I enjoy the least is the um, Lang Trees Lament, but because it's supposed to be annoying, so. Achievement unlocked, um, but uh, the rest of it—it it is so lovely. And like to the, to contrast the different styles, like as you go from from episode to episode, I mean, like you get the Chris Isaac song, which is so like just absolutely smooth. Like it's like I would say it's like honey. It's, I think it's more like a honeyed bourbon or something, right? It's it's just so smooth. Um, with the more the all the clarinet we get through everything so far. Um, some of my favorite songs are yet to come. Um, yeah, it's just really delightful. And then again, you have this tone, and then with that, you have Beatrice just being hilarious the whole time. Uh, yeah, I can, I'll say more about her next episode, I suppose, but, and there's some more voice stuff I can't wait to talk about next time. But do we have other elements of these episodes? Because we haven't really talked much about them. If someone's listening and they haven't watched for some reason, uh, I guess I'm going to throw it to Allison. Uh, What is this about? What is Over the Garden Well about? Uh, like what's the plot we've talked about all these elements about it how we haven't talked about how beautiful it looks but what's it about two children one of whom is of indeterminate age and is maybe not a child but just looks like one (laughs) (laughs) get lost in the woods and they stumble upon a humble woodcutter who's holding a lamp and if the lamp goes out, something terrible happens. And then they meet a talking bluebird who volunteers to help. And they reject that offer because kids are stupid. Uh, Why would you agree to go with a talking ensue. bluebird? Because it's a talking talk- bluebird. Come on, I've seen so many Disney movies. I know what's up. Like, of course you go with a talking... Now, if it was a talking cardinal, then I would be suspicious. But a talking bluebird? Come on! They help Mary Poppins do the chores. They bring good luck everywhere. They help Mary Poppins do the chores. I don't need any of that luck, no matter what. (laughs) I just... You always follow the talking bluebird. Like, you always do. Um, Yeah, and then they're wandering the woods and, uh, and ostensibly seeking home or help. Uh, and I don't really, it, hypothetically, the person who's listening to this who hasn't seen it, I don't want to say too much more because I went into this basically totally blind. I knew, as Keenan puts it, that it was autumnal AF 
and um, I knew that it was well regarded and I knew that it's having a moment because I straight up had never heard of Over the Garden Wall until, oh, I think around the time that we were making, we being people who inexplicably get paid to rank pieces of entertainment for money, were getting paid to write best of the decade lists. (laughs) Um, was I think the first time that it was on my radar at all. And even then I still didn't know anything about it and really only learned more about it when the two of you brought it up and as part of the conversation of what we should watch next on streaming in place. Um, So yeah, totally blind. And I'm really glad that I did. So um, it's surreal. And I think the less you know, the better so that you can just be willing to go and sort of be swept along um, in a very atmospheric, um, sort of, sort of vaguely Brechtian way. Like this reminded me a lot, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more, Kate, when we talk about the music, but it reminded me a lot in sort of tone and feeling of the Three Penny Opera, um, as a sort of touchstone. And I love the Three Penny Opera, but it's not the kind of thing, not the kind of vibe you get on TV very often. Um, so yeah, just don't even worry about my summary. Erase the last 90 seconds from your brain and just watch it. I highly recommend so far. Hmm. Um, Keenan says, I was fascinated with the logic of the world. Like I generally understood Ward's point of view of just being like, there are no good choices. I do not know what to do. It felt like dream logic where things follow upon each other with not always a lot of warning. Like when they're running from the, running from the beast that climbed to the roof and the beast bursts onto the roof and then it's just a dog and then they get away, but then something else is afoot, but it's okay. They're safe for now. Is the bluebird trustworthy? The woodcutter, the people at the inn? I absolutely felt like I was in a child's dream. And yeah, I think that's a, a, a good way to put it. There's definitely an element. I mean, it's very much a fable. You're watching a fable, but with touches of relatability that make it feel like what if you were in, what if you were the kid lost in the wood with your brother or stepbrother, as we find out during that one song. He, we are related because his dad married my mom and then they had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Half brother, not step brother. Half brother. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Marcus, for that correction. Uh, but yeah, it's it it is very dreamy, while also having a distinct narrative that it's going. You know that it's that it's going along. That's going along. So if that makes sense. I keep stopping myself from saying things, um, because I'm worried about them being spoilery, even though I they're not. There's they're not at all. I just you know. Don't want to step on anything. The last thing I feel like we need to talk about that we haven't really is the animation because it's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. The The light has a texture throughout this. Um, that's part of what makes it feel so autumnal. It, it's the, you, you really feel like the light has been filtered through leaves as they are turning in the, in the end of fall. Um, did you guys have particular visuals or moments that stood out to you? Well, I mean, going back to like my favorite episode, which is the Husk and Bee, which is the second episode, um, that that end shot of that brown leaf stuck in the fence um, is just a so gorgeous, but B also is the kind of extra extra air quote extraneous thing that shouldn't be there. Um, it feels like the easiest thing to get rid of when you're running out of time and you're you're over time, I should say. Um, but instead, like you sit with that leaf stuck. 
And it's just like, it's so much of a portent of things to come, but also of just even like the fourth episode of like, yeah, no, things are going to get real bad soon type of deal of like, it's fall, everyone. Guess what? Yeah. Um, I say this to someone who loves fall. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there's like the ways in which the show's um, visual language, I think, takes advantage of our connections to fall, um, both to do something like that, but also to like play with this idea of either the solace of an inn on a stormy night actually turns out to be this weird madcap um, tea party type of situation in Wonderland to... Oh, a fall festival. Everyone loves fall festivals, including skeletons <laughs> who dress up in pumpkins. Because that's not weird. It's not weird at all. Um, the ways that they just mobilize that visually and aesthetically, I think, is just really, really great. Even down to the skeletons themselves feeling like they're pulled out of that, um, whatchamacallit? Silly symphony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That they're pulled out of that as like a visual marker. Um so just the ways that they deploy both different types of animation references, but also different sort of almost styles of animation to really kind of put you in this weird space. Because even like Wart's design and Greg's design and uh, the Woodcutter's design all feel vaguely contemporary in that kind of um, like Cartoon Network Cal Arts almost sort of way, not quite Cal Arts, but of that era. Um, of that lineage, I should say. Um, and that is not to disparage them because I don't mind the CalArts style. Um, people do, but I don't. Um, that this, the ways in which all that gets juxtaposed against one another stylistically, I think just works really, really well. Um, plus everything just looks like it's hand painted, which I love. Um, so I just, I really like it. And I'm sorry, I'm seeing Marcus's two old cats comment. Um, and I'm laughing because <laughs> that cat is too old. It had little cat cane. It's too old. Because it was too old to play two old cats. There's one old cat. I'm sorry. We need a different old cat. <laughs> Greg is adorable. We haven't talked about Greg. We talked about Word a little. But Greg is absolutely adorable. Like when I think I texted you guys. It's like, there's a maniac with an axe. Oh, is he there to help us? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God, Greg. And, but like just the honesty of like, where's your brother? Uh-huh. Wandered off. Like. As anyone who's done any babysitting of younger siblings, be like, I need to go to the bathroom. Watch your brother. I will be right back. Where'd he go? Uh, somewhere. Somewhere. He wandered off. Like, it's just so spot on. And Greg is with his with his toad, his frog, uh, kitty. Kitty. Or, or Wirt Jr. Or, you know, et cetera. It's just, it's so fun. It's so fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I'm not sure whether to talk about the visual stuff or about Greg first, um, but I don't have much to add to what Noel said. So I'll just say that. And I was also thinking about Silly Symphonies, but the other visual, um, I guess, data point in my brain that kept flaring up uh, was Heffalumps and Woozles, um, which I thought about a lot in these four episodes, which was a formative animation sequence for me as a child. Um, scary in the best way. Um I see now I'm distracted because now I'm just thinking about Heffalumps and Woozles. Um, I just love it so much. It's so scary. Uh, Greg, I think, is great because he, like a lot of our favorite characters here on Streaming a Place, is a total agent of chaos. Um, he is the Willem <laughs> My Ballet. My I talked about that, yeah. <laughs> He's the Willem. Um, 
he's the Lucifer, right? Like he is an agent of chaos. Um, Trixie, he's the Trixie. <laughs> the Trixie corner. That's why we love um, Greg so much. I just really like the be- the sort of balance and like power and how much you're fearing for the kids and um, and again whether or not Wirt is actually a child um, and why he has his own dunce's cap when he sits in the dunce box <laughs> um, and listens to the very sad alphabet song. Um, <laughs> She has so much baggage. She has so much baggage. baggage. It's so oh. But then, but then, Uh, but then, then Johnny Johnny came back, and he was voiced by Thomas Lennon for two lines for (laughs) no reason. Flex. That's a flex. Um, Yeah. Um, FYI, on the album and in the in the the, if you buy the album, um, the Langtree song also goes into numbers. Like it keeps going. It is a full. They have the full alphabet, and then they have some numbers at the end, too. So That's yeah. great. I can't wait to hear the full thing. Um, Keenan says, this is what I mean about dream logic, the incredible frustration of someone with incredibly opaque reasoning when you're in a bind, and I totally agree. Um, but he's also paying attention. Like, his, like Wirt's whole plan mm-hmm. to, like, take out the woodcutter happens, and then Greg's like, this is what you wanted. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, oh, it's like using, I don't know lizard brain as opposed to logical brain mm-hmm. like he's react he's following all of his impulses while Wirt tries to apply logic to every situation in a situation that rejects it so like which one of them is following the right path and which is not i think probably neither <laughs> uh, but it sure is fun to watch the contrast it just use the talking about the plan just made me think of the run 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 run, run smack run 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 like just what like uh, it's so funny it's just so it's, it's, it's so funny listening to them say run 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 as they run away because of course they should run away because there's a terrifying beast woodcutter with a who seems crazy with an axe like that's a very tolerant woodcutter if you consider everything that he's been through in the past day or two with these two specific kids who just won't listen to him when he says there's a beast out there like you destroyed my mill now how am I, like come on <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Well, we're going to have more to say about the the show when we come back tomorrow. We'll we'll be talking about the next three episodes, the titles of which uh, are we have episodes five, six, and seven: uh, "Mad Love," "Lullaby in Frogland," and "The Ringing of the Bell." So these are our next three. Any thoughts, Allison? I'm sorry, my brain short circuited when you said "Lullaby in Frogland." I have no other thoughts. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to make <laughs> predictions. I've already forgotten the other two titles. I just want "Lullaby in Frogland." Lullaby of or in? In. Okay, I would have sect- I would accept either because if it was a lullaby of Frogland, then it would be like the lullaby of Broadway, or as opposed to lullaby in Frogland, like Babes in Toyland. Either is acceptable to me. Um, I think that we should end the podcast so I can go watch it immediately. <laughs> Noel, anything you want to say? Mad Love is also one of my favorite episodes of the whole show. Um, it's delightful and silly and ridiculous, but also kind of beautiful um, mm-hmm. in what it does. Also, rather politically pointed. Yeah, <laughs> right. no, it is. It is. Um, but I also really like um, the stuff that we get in The Ringing of the Bell as well, um, mm-hmm. which is, woof, let's talk about scary. 
just brace your gird your loins basically for that it's one good. it's very good um yeah so i'm very excited about these next three episodes mm-hmm. yeah i think mad love is my least favorite of the three mm-hmm. uh and the other two are fighting it out um but the voice cast in mad love is so good Rainy the bell <laughs> Very, very good. Uh, and then Lullaby in Frogland, that doesn't apply the same way for reasons that will become clear. But I also really love um, how that the approach of that one and, and some of the moments there. So, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. Very excited for all y'all. Um, okay, Marcus and Keenan, if you have any final thoughts, go ahead and throw them in the chat real quick. Otherwise, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, looking forward to being back with everyone tomorrow to talk about these next three episodes. And we'll talk to you then. Bye! Bye.